Wow. <laughs> That was awesome and so cool, and I get to hear it again. So you can come back if you want to hear it again. Well, I'm going to say Merry Christmas, and uh, before we uh, get to our candlelighting time at the end of our service, I want to take a few moments uh, to talk to you about lights. And lights really are everywhere at Christmas, aren't they? We, we put them on our houses, uh, we see them in parks, uh, we see them in the stores, they're just everywhere we, we look. And in fact, lights are really so much a part of December that ABC has come up with a show called The Great Christmas Light Fight. Have you seen it? It's in its fifth season, and each episode, different families compete in like a, a battle of the bulbs to, uh, you know, win a $50,000 $50, prize. And uh, it's just kind of fascinating the links that people will go to you know, to light up their homes. And, and so I want to show you a short clip from one of the winners recently because I love you and because I don't want you to miss out on such uh, impact, such cultural significance as we see right here. So brace yourselves and uh, watch this. So a uh, real quick show of hands, how many of you today are so very happy you don't live next door to that person? <laughs> you know, me, me too, me too. Well, why are lights uh, such an important part of Christmas? And there's probably many reasons, but it really all goes back to the Bible, where we see the metaphor of light that's used from the very beginning to talk about what happened at Christmas 2,000 years ago. There's so many verses I could read. Here's just a few of them. John 1, 9 says, The true light that gives light uh, to everyone was coming into the world, and the true light is Jesus. In Luke chapter 1, verses 78 and 79, it says, Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness. And again, that's Jesus. He is the morning light. And in John 8, 12, Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. You see, when Jesus came into the world, he came as the light. He came as the light shining in the darkness, and God had promised that light would one day come. We see that promise in the book of Isaiah, a prophecy given 700 years before Bethlehem. In Isaiah 9-2, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And so Jesus in his birth is a fulfillment of this prophecy. He is a light in the darkness. Now, about a month after Jesus was born, a very old man named Simeon uh, met Jesus and his parents in the temple. Uh, Simeon was a very devout man. He had been studying all his life the ancient prophecies about the one day coming of Messiah, the Savior of Israel. And he knew this prophecy from Isaiah about Messiah coming as a light. And 
He was praying, and God had given him assurance by his spirit that he would see Messiah before he died. And so on this day, Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. Simeon sees him, and he's moved by the spirit, and he, he says to them, can I hold your baby? And they, they give him Jesus, and the minute Simeon holds Jesus in his arms, he knows. He knows this is the light that God has promised. And so Simeon just breaks out in praise in this song that's recorded in Luke chapter 2. I want you to listen uh, to some verses from this song. Verses 29 to 32. It says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So Simeon calls Jesus, this little baby he's cradling in his arms, he calls him God's salvation. He calls him a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, what does light do? Well, light reveals things, doesn't it? That's what Simeon says, a light for revelation. And I want us to think about that for a few moments together. What did Jesus come to reveal? And the Bible tells us about three very important things. Write these down in your notes uh, that you have in your program. Number one, Jesus reveals God. Jesus reveals God. I want to see here, uh, how many of you watch at least one Christmas movie every year? Just raise your hands. That's pretty much everybody here. And there's this old classic that you may not have seen. Uh, though you probably know one of its remakes. It's the 1940 Jimmy Stewart classic, The Shop Around the Corner. And it's a story about this guy named Alfred Krolik. And he, he works at a leather goods store. And as Christmas approaches, he has to hire some extra help. And so he hires this beautiful young woman named Clara. But he doesn't like her. They're always arguing. They're always bickering. Krolik has this romantic interest on the side with, with a woman that he's never met. He, he saw her personal ad in the newspaper. Anybody, you know what a newspaper is, right? Those <laughs> things with paper, black ink on paper. And so he sees this personal ad. They become pen pals, but it's totally anonymous. They're just writing these letters back and forth. And one day, Krolik decides, it's time to meet this mystery woman. And so he writes her, and he says to her, I would like to meet you at it this particular cafe. And he says, here's how I'm going to know it's you. I want you to come and you will take a red carnation and put this flower inside a copy of Leo Tolstoy's novel, Anna Karenina. And so after work that day, Krolik heads off to the cafe, but he's kind of nervous. And so he doesn't want to go by himself. And he asks his friend Pirovich to come with him for moral support. And they get there and he's now so nervous, he can't bear to look in. So he asks Pirovich to look in and says, tell me if she's there. And Pirovich looks in. And he sees a woman sitting at a table with a red carnation inside a book. And he says, I see her. And Krolik says, is she pretty? And Pirovich says, she's very pretty. In fact, she reminds me of Clara at work. And Krolik says, why do you bring up Clara at a time like this? And Pirovich says, well, if you don't like Clara, you're not going to like that girl. Why not? Because it is Clara. You saw this coming, right? <laughs> See, if he wants to know 
what his mystery girl is like, he has to look at Clara because Clara is the mystery girl. And in case you're wondering, the 1998 movie, You've Got Mail, is a remake of this movie. Now, here's the thing I want you to see. In ancient times, the gods were very mysterious. No one really ever knew if they were happy with you or if they were angry at you. They, they just lived in constant fear of these gods. They didn't really know. And, and so when Jesus came to planet Earth that first Christmas, he came to reveal God to us. If we want to know what God is like, then we need just to look at Jesus because Jesus is God. Hebrews 1.3 says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus is the light of God's glory, the light who reveals God to us. John 1.18 says something similar. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. If you want to know who God is, what God is like, you have to get to know Jesus. See, maybe you want to know about God's power. Look at Jesus. Jesus is the guy who stands up in a terrible storm one day inside a fisherman's boat out on the Sea of Galilee. The storm's raging all around him, and Jesus just speaks to the storm, and the storm stops. He has power. Jesus is the one who heals all kinds of diseases. He even raises people from the dead. Are you here today and you, you want to know if God has enough power to still the storms in your life? You need to look at Jesus. Maybe you want to know about God's compassion. Again, you need to look at Jesus. Jesus feeds the hungry. Jesus lovingly touches outcasts like lepers and welcomes and receives them. Jesus tenderly holds children on his lap. You know, I'm pretty confident there are some people here right now who feel like a failure in their life. Maybe that's you, and, and maybe you don't think anyone could ever love you after what you have done. You need to look at Jesus and see the, the compassion and the mercy and the grace of Jesus. There are so many of us who are struggling. We're confused. We're, we're lonely. And Christmas says you don't have to stay that way. See, God wants to reveal himself to you so much, he sent his only son at Christmas. So get to know Jesus. Now, maybe you're asking, well, how do you get to know Jesus? In the Bible, there are actually four biographies of Jesus. They're called Gospels. They're named Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. These Gospels were written about Jesus by people who had been firsthand eyewitnesses of his life. And we can read about Jesus and we can get to know Jesus. And and just to help you with that, at Southwinds, you know, we are a church that's about God's Word. And so we're constantly challenging ourselves to get into God's Word. And we're providing a way you can do just that. A reading plan is there in your program. Maybe you already noticed it. It's kind of a New Year's challenge. You know, we're getting ready to start doing some resolutions. You know, this would be a good resolution that can really change your life. You can read the entire New Testament in just 90 days. We call this plan NT90. And I just want to encourage you, at least read the Gospels. Get to know Jesus because Jesus reveals God. But he also reveals something else. Second thing we see is that Jesus' light reveals sin. Jesus' light 
reveals sin. I saw an ad recently for something that I hope no one gets me for Christmas. It's called Mint by Breathometer. Have you, have you seen the ads for this? It's, it's put out by this company, Breathometer, and here's the idea behind their product. The reality is no one of us can smell our own breath, right? And that's a problem because some of us have bad breath. And so if you buy Mint, it's this high-tech device, only costs about $100, and uh, you can suck on it for like about 30 seconds, and it's got these electrochemical sensors that will detect how much sulfur is in your breath, and it sends that information to your smartphone. So imagine this, tomorrow morning, <laughs> you get up and you look under the Christmas tree and, and there's a box with your name on it and it says from Santa because someone loves you but they don't want to tell you who they are. <laughs> and you open it up and it's mint from breathometer. What is Santa trying to tell you? <laughs> See, there are some things in our lives some things in our lives that we just cannot detect by ourselves and someone has to tell us, like our breath and like our sin. And so Jesus comes and he shines his light into this dark world and he shines his light on our sin, which we would never see otherwise. Prophet Jeremiah wrote these words, our hearts are deceitful and beyond cure. Nobody can know the sinfulness of their own heart. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're all more sinful than we like to think or we're willing to admit. We're all more dishonest, more judgmental, more greedy, more selfish, more resentful, more prejudiced, more unloving than we realize. See, we are in the dark about our sin and about the damage it does, not only within us, but also to the people around us, most of all to our relationship with a holy God. And Jesus, the light who entered our world on Christmas Day, he reveals sin. You say, well, how does he do that? Well, once again, you go to God's book and you get to know Jesus. You get to know his teaching. You get to know his character. And as you get to know his teaching and character, he begins to expose the dark parts of your life to you. Now, that's good, right? To have it exposed. I mean, that mint thing, that's good, isn't it? You know, wouldn't you rather have your bad breath exposed than just walk around grossing everybody out in your life? <laughs> See, it's a good thing to know about our sin. But the truth is, most of us don't want to know the truth about our sin. Well, listen to what God's Word says, John three nineteen and 20. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. And what these verses are telling us is that every one of us has this natural tendency to run away from Jesus' sin-revealing light. We, we don't want to, to see it on us. We don't want that light there. Now, some of you right now are going, well, that's not me. I mean, I like Jesus. That's what you're saying. But you know, I've found that pretty much everybody likes to think that they like Jesus, but it's not always true. What I found is that many of us, we like our idea of Jesus. We like the Jesus that we think just says love one another and just says don't judge. But we don't like the Jesus who says that he is the judge of the, 
the earth, and he will judge all of our sins. We don't like the Jesus who tells us that we need to repent of our sins and stop living the way we're living. Now, again, one of the reasons that I'm challenging everyone to read the Gospels in 2018 is is right here. This is the only way that we can truly know who Jesus is. It's the only way that we can know what Jesus says about our sin. Now, I just want to say something, you know, really, really plainly. You may find yourself right now resisting this. You don't like what I'm saying. You don't want to talk about this. In fact, you don't even want to be here today. You're just here because someone made you come. It happens on Christmas Eve. (laughs) And if you find yourself maybe thinking, I don't want to do that, or you make up excuses why you can't do that, I would just want to challenge you to ask yourself, why? Why would you not want to find out more about Jesus, this light that's come into the world, this this man that everyone, even people who don't believe he's God's son, pretty much everyone says he's the greatest person that ever lived. Let his light shine in your life. Because if you don't, you you keep your sin in the dark. It doesn't make it go away. It's still right there. It's still damaging your life. It's still destroying relationships in in, in your world. It's still destroying the possibility of a relationship with the holy God. See, it's God who loves you. This God who really only wants good things for you. You need to know that Jesus' purpose in bringing our sin to the light is not to shame us, but to set us free. That's why he shines his light on our sin. He wants to take it away. He wants to forgive us. So Jesus reveals God. Jesus reveals sin. But the third thing we see is that Jesus reveals salvation. Now, about six months after Jesus was, or before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Mary's cousin Elizabeth had a miracle baby. His name was John. And he was a miracle because Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah, were very, very old and very, very infertile. They'd never been able to have a child. And one day, an angel shows up and meets Zachariah. He's a priest. He's in the temple doing his work. And he says, God's going to give you a son, Zachariah. Elizabeth, your wife, is going to have a baby in her old age. And this baby boy will be a spokesman for God. He will be a forerunner of the Messiah. We're going to know him, as we do today, as John the Baptist. And when that baby is born, Zechariah holds John in his arms for the first time. And like Simeon, he too bursts into song. I want you to listen to the lyrics of the song that Zechariah sings. He says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Zachariah's song says that his son John is going to prepare the way for Jesus, Messiah. And John is, Jesus is described here as the rising sun who will come to us from heaven, the rising sun who will shine on people who've been living in darkness, and this is us. So what happens when Jesus shines on us, those living in darkness? Well, he reveals God's salvation to us. And Zechariah, he he sings about two aspects of this salvation. The first is forgiveness. He says that when the light shines, we'll get the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of our sins. So don't miss this. 
See, Jesus' light doesn't just come to reveal our sins. His light reveals how we can be saved from the consequences of our sins. And that leads us to the second thing. Zechariah says his light also shines to guide our feet into the path of peace. See, sin brings death and darkness into our lives, and that's why we need forgiveness. And when we receive forgiveness, this first aspect, we can begin to experience the second aspect of salvation, which is peace, God's peace. Notice that. Jesus' light shines on us. It shines on us to give us forgiveness and peace. And it's very important to see. He just shines the light. We we don't do anything to turn the light on. He just shines the light. We, We just have to receive the light. This is telling us here what the Bible says in many places is that salvation is a gift. It is a gift of God's grace. There's nothing we can do ever to earn it. I came across a new Christmas story recently that puts this so very well. And it seems really simple, but it does speak to the heart of Christmas. It's called The Christmas Fox, and it's written by a woman named Anique McGrory. I think you're going to enjoy it, okay? So follow along as we read. Come, drum the woodpecker. A baby is coming. There's work to be done. There's news to be spread. But the little fox stayed to dance with the snowflakes. Come, load the cow, a baby is coming. There's a place to make warm with sweet-smelling hay. But the little fox stayed to splash in the stream. Come, bleated the lamb. There are gifts to get ready with soft, cozy wool. But the little fox rolled around in the cold, snappy snow. Come, whistled the bluebird. There are songs to sing the baby to sleep. But the little fox stayed to pounce in the snowdrifts. Come, whispered the stars. There is light to shine to brighten the path. But the little fox had no light to shine. He had no song to sing. He had no soft wool to collect. He had no warm home to share. And so he stood outside the stable alone. Come said the donkey. Just come. It is enough. And so the little fox crept into the warm, glowing stable, and the baby smiled, and the little fox brought joy. I really love that. Do you? I can tell some of you really do, too. And part of the reason I love that story is that it's a kind of corrective to another pretty familiar children's story called The Little Red Hen. Any of you know that story? Uh, Some of you do. If you do, okay, I'm going to tell the story. If you know the story, you can help me out, okay? So uh, The Little Red Hen says to all the other animals, who will help me plant the grain? And the pig and the cat and the dog and the mouse all say, not I. Remember that? There you go. And then she says, who will help me water the grain? And they all say, not I. And then she says, who will help me pick the grain? And they say, not I. And then she says, who will help me bake the bread? And they all say, not I. And then she says, who will help me eat the bread? And all the animals say, I will. And the little red hen says, fat chance. (laughs) 
You did not do anything to help me. I did all the work, so I will eat the bread all by myself. And there's actually uh, one version of this book. It really ends with this picture, all the animals having sad dreams, you know, and they're just <laughs> thinking about what have, might have been. They're just all left with their regrets. And I was thinking, what kind of a children's story is that? <laughs> and so all the animals were sad and lived the rest of their lives in gloom and despair. The end. Night, night, sweetheart. You know, I think there's a lot of people, maybe some of you here, that really kind of had little, have little red hen theology. And you think that God is pretty much like the little red hen, and he's saying to you, you didn't do what I told you you should have done, and so you are barred from knowing me forever. Or maybe you think he's saying, you did things I told you you shouldn't do, the same result. We think it's all up to us. But really, the Bible says it's more like the story of the Christmas fox. And some of you tonight, maybe you, maybe you feel like that little fox. Maybe you, you feel a little on the outside. Maybe you're thinking right now, you know what? I don't have anything to offer God. I need to prove myself first because I have lots of regrets. And actually, truth is, I'm really ashamed of a lot of things I've done. And I just want to say to you from the word of God on this Christmas Eve, Listen to the whisper of Jesus, because Jesus is saying to you, just come. It is enough. Just come. It is enough. Jesus says to all of us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And that is the beautiful invitation of Christmas. Will you come? Jesus is God's light. He shines on us to reveal God to us, to reveal our sin, and then to reveal salvation, how God saves us from our sin. And all we have to do is receive the light. All we have to do is turn from our sin in repentance and turn to Jesus in humble, trustful faith. That's all. Maybe you can meet him for the first time today. Would you bow your heads as we pray together? Father, as, as we light the candles of Christmas together in just a few moments, would you please remind us that your son Jesus is the light and he is shining into our darkness. Lord, I pray that, that even now you are opening hearts, that even now you are, are granting repentance and faith. Shine your light. Lord, open our eyes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.